good morning and Merry Christmas to you. Good to see you. We're doing a little something uh, different this morning. And I'm not the only one that's going to be delivering the Christmas uh, message for us today. We have some folks this week and the last week that have put together some of their own personal stories. Because today we're talking about the reality that Christmas is personal. And I realize it's a global holiday. You know, this is the reality that tomorrow, all the way across the globe, people are going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And although it's global, although it's multinational, multilingual, multicultural, the reality is even though it spans this big circle that we're on, it's also personal. It touches individuals. It has individual messages for individual people. And we're going to be talking about some messages for individual people from the Bible and what Christmas meant to them, but we're also talking about personal messages for people right here from East Bay Calvary, people we need to hear about and understand all that Christmas truly means to them. I want to give you a couple stories. The very first one here is a newer family to our ministry, John and Brenda Dees. And they have a little longer sketch. They weren't here a few months ago. They were down in Texas. But instead of me telling you about it, um, here they are. Watch their video. My name is John. My name is Brenda Dees. And this is a story about Christmas for us. I came here to United States at the age of uh, 15. Uh, I came here with a lot of dreams. Uh, when I'm living uh, in Los Angeles, uh, for some reason I got pregnant very young age. By the uh, 17 years old, I already have my baby. And because of family tradition, we must get married. I was born into a military family. My dad was in the arranger, so we move around a lot. We've been in Alabama, Georgia, down to Island. So finally, we moved to Texas and that's where we live most of our life. Um, I grew up without uh, hearing. I was able to hear at first with the equipment, but as I got older, it started getting worse. So I had to get a, a surgery to have an implant so I can hear better. Then my dad was already working for STEM club. He got me a job there, and I've been there for 14 years. My marriage was not doing good, uh, no matter what we tried. And I was looking for, for God to restore my, my life, my, my heart, because there was emptiness in my heart. We ended up in this church where the leader was doing things that it was not right to young uh, 
ladies. I was not okay with thinking that I see what he was doing. And something inside of me they was telling me that that was not right. And but there was no there's no no way to escape because if we leave uh, church, we were wrong. I got stuck in that part of my life that destroyed me inside. I lost all trust in what is church. Finally, I got tired of that, and I decided to leave. Uh, uh, we moved, I moved to Houston, Texas. My marriage got, I got divorced. Everything got destroyed. It was a big impact in my life. Uh, we tried to get on our feet again. At that time, I was single. Uh, and I started working for Sam's Club. Uh, that's where I met John. I have fun at work. He was always picking on me, always telling me up on a date and stuff. I thought he was joking. But he saw me when she was working for one of the department. So I went over there and said, hi, how you doing? Because I wanted to meet her. You know, at first I thought she was beautiful. <laughs> so um, we started talking a little bit and I said, you know what, just Give me your phone number, I would like to talk more with you. You, you can always talk to me whenever you want. And time goes by, I went to break. I got my dinner ready to have my lunch. I opened it up and there was a phone number. At first I said, okay, whose phone number is this? I said, okay, I'll call you while I get to the house. So as soon as I got to the house, I called and we talked on the phone. I said, let go out for dinner after work. So I picked her up, we went out to eat, we started talking. Time goes by, we went on a couple more days, and, and you know, now we're here for me. I fell in love with her, and I wanted to do where you go. Then we start working hard to get our own place. Uh, we finally, after working uh, hard, and he works. I work uh, two jobs. I was working two jobs at that time. Because I wanted to get a place for us. So we finally got a place. And we start working on it, you know, uh, cut down some trees, build up the land put a house on it, put a new floor, walls, put a new roof. Yeah, I did a Porsche by myself, you know. It took me like a couple of days, but I finally got it done. Uh, you know, we had that moment that we finished. We were ready to relax, you know, enjoy it. From the porch, we can see the water. That's what we love to see from that port that was kind of loose. <laughs> but from there we can see the beauty of the water. The river. The river, yeah. So we never thought it was gonna happen. The news didn't say nothing. It said it was gonna happen far away the hurricane. You know, all of a sudden we were sleeping 
At 11 o'clock, the police came to the neighborhood telling us we had to evacuate. So we only packed up a little bit of clothes, we left in our pajamas, we went to another house, figured that was gonna blow over. We came back the next day, the water was raging up to the roof. We cannot even go through it. Uh, it lasted for over two weeks. Everything was damaged. Everything inside, the furniture that we had, the clothes that we had, the flooring that we put a new in. We had to throw everything away. Do not keep anything. It was a it was a disaster because it was not a fancy house. It's not what was a huge or beautiful house, but it was our house. It was our hard work. Uh, there was a lot of people that got a lot of damage in their houses. It was so uh, heartbreaking to see. A month before that uh, this happened, uh, I was looking for uh, the five best and beautiful places to go in and visit. And for some reason, they always pop up Traverse City. And uh, we were, I showed to John then the, the, this place that no matter what season hot, there's stuff to do. Uh, in winter, there's stuff to do. I said, what? <laughs> I have to go and visit. So I start pushing him, pushing him, showing videos, uh, and he, yeah, he cannot uh, pronounce them. <laughs> with my job, I never had enough time away from work to be able to come all the way up here. And then this thing happened. So the something bright in my brain, and I said, wow, this is the chance that we have to start over. And I said, we have to get out of this place. So yeah. we were checking to see if they're actually a dam club here. And there is an opening. There's only one <laughs> That's And that was our opportunity. That was our chance. God took care of the, all the junk that we have. We have nothing. We have zero. So I thought I'd take a chance, you know, just call up up there and say, you know, I'm interested in Paris for a job. I never thought I would be able to get it, you know. So a first interview, they called me a couple of days after and said, hey, you know what, are you ready to come? Ready to move? So I came rushing home to Benny and said, you know what, we got it. So we're moving. So we have to get the camp ready, hook up to the truck, get everything that we needed and Let's just start go. driving. We left by midnight. We don't know where we're gonna park the trailer because we were calling and all the camp yeah. were, they said, honey, uh, we closed for winter. Yeah. Really? Uh, and there was, uh, we came here in the middle of the night. It was dark. Yeah, and nobody, it was not open yet. We came back here next day and thankfully they prayed provided at the place today. The first day, beautiful. The second day, it starts snowing. 
how beautiful is God that does know if make it means it means a lot for for us for me because it was something so beautiful something that before I see only movies the snow the is real white snow uh, there's no more sprays on the windows uh, looking like the snow this is real snow on our windows we I know there's uh, the weather is so hard for us coming from 100 degrees to 20 <laughs> that's a big change but there's a flame inside of our hearts and that's God and if God is with us no matter what problem where we are God is gonna uh, open door for us this is a new beginning for us we don't need uh, fancy clothes, gifts, things. Uh, we have church. It's part of our new family now. And we're glad that we have you all with us. We're thankful because we found this church. We want to say thank you for them. Uh, and also, uh, to my family for their support and we're okay in this place we feel so happy and the best gift that we have is that is God and, and Jesus is living with us it's on our hearts and we we're happy for that thank you so much and Merry Christmas to you all and we're looking forward to many more Christmas with you all too God bless you So tomorrow, John and Brenda wake up to real snow and to what they said, a new beginning. And Christmas for them is, um, it's a brand new start. Brand new start after losing everything. So you know, Christmas is personal. It touches people individually, and there's an individual story for, for everybody. In fact, today we have... Um, it's a multi-generational service. We have our youngsters in here with us too. And so um, on your study guide, <clears throat> this isn't just for adults here, gang. This is also for youngsters to be able to draw on it. <clears throat> and so um, since it's family day at East Bay Calvary, um, we're going to be writing down responses from people in the Bible to Christmas. And each response has an emoji to it. And so adults, you can write down the responses. And if you are a kiddo, you can draw the emoji. And if you don't know which one you are, you can do both. <laughs> and I have the feeling there's going to be a lot of people in that middle category. Hey, uh, in Luke chapter 2, I just want to share with you some of these responses to Christmas and some personal responses, and just peel back this story, just look at the individuals that are involved, and you realize there's so many unique, personal accounts of what this story meant, an account meant for people. And so here we are in Luke chapter two, and I'm gonna move through some of these, because we have another story of what Christmas means, and, and one that is gonna touch your heart in a big way. 
But the very first group I wanted to share with you is the shepherds. And we heard about them a little bit earlier. The shepherds had a very special account of Christmas and how it touched them. And in fact, if you look down in Luke chapter 2 and follow down a little bit further, it mentions after all that occurred to the shepherds, and you remember they were sitting out in the fields, they were watching over their flocks, and this angel of the Lord appeared and mentioned to them that um, there is this child, the Christ child, born in Bethlehem, and who would be the savior of the world. And then suddenly this great multitude of angels came and said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men, and, and immediately, bam, they went, and they, they followed, and they, and they went down to Bethlehem. Let's pick it up in verse 15, Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The catch verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Imagine what Christmas was like for the shepherds. Really? Now, I know we, we've heard the story so many times, but just imagine it. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but doing the job of a shepherd out in a field at night would be, truthfully, one of the most boring occupations you could ever imagine. The sheep aren't doing anything. The sheep are laying down. They're not moving them on to a new pasture. This is about as brainless an activity as you could imagine. The only thing that you're looking for is a predator. You just want to make sure that no lion or bear pops in and creates a problem. And so basically you go from 99.99999% absolute sheer boredom nodding off around the campfire to that once in a million chance, boom, and in props a predator, and you have to jump up and be ready and, and shoot it off. I don't know if anything like that ever happened to you where you were almost completely cocked out, and all of a sudden a terrifying thing happens. Well, that happened to me a number of years ago. Um, when my wife and I first moved to Norwich, New York, this is about 21 years ago, we moved into our very first home ever together. And it was just my wife, myself, we had a black lab dog with us, and my wife was expecting our first child, Brielle. And it was such a crazy day, and we ended up bringing everything in, we unpacked a lot of stuff, we got our bed set up, and here it was around midnight or so, we were so tired. And we, we just plopped in bed. We were ready to go to sleep. And, and so we did, man. We conked out. And I don't even know what time it was, but sometime in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, the dog started barking. And my wife leans over and says, do you hear the dog barking? I'm like, don't worry about it. There's so many new noises. I'm sure she's just hearing stuff. Don't worry about it. And she kept barking and barking. And then my wife says, do you think there's something wrong 
And, and I realize, I don't know if you husbands have ever been in this position, there's nothing you can say at this point that's just going to, you know, no, there's nothing wrong. Oh, good, you know, and then they go back to sleep. It just doesn't happen. I realize I need to get up. I need to walk around the house. I need to make sure everything's fine. And then come back in bed and say, honey, like I said before, there's absolutely nothing wrong. So I get up out of bed, and I'm telling you, I am so absolutely crazy tired. And I'm, I'm barely dragging around, and, and it's a little three-bedroom ranch home. I remember walking down the hall, and I look down the hall. There's nothing. And I'm telling you, folks, I opened up the door to this bedroom. And I never imagined it. And standing in front of me is a man about my height, my build. And you, you ever had that moment? <laughs> and nothing's coming out. And man, my heart is in my throat. I'm like, and then I realize I'm looking at a full length mirror. It was not funny then, folks. <laughs> but you know, here's these shepherds, and, and this is their account. It's like total boring. Can you imagine it? They are probably nodding off at the fire doing one of these, and all of a sudden, bam, there's an angel. There is an angel. And they're all looking at this thing and says, you know what, there is the Messiah, the one we've been looking for for all of these years who is now born in Bethlehem, and you need to go see him. And just imagine, no wonder the angel says, fear not. They were terrified. They were absolutely terrified. And then the whole host of angels appeared and, and said, glory to God in the highest. Just imagine their story. And I'll tell you their story. It was one of celebration because they went down to Bethlehem and everything lined up just the way they were told. The baby was there. It was wrapped in cloths. It was lying in a manger. There's mom. And there's this whole setting just the way the angels said. And this is the neat thing. They were in celebration mode. And, and I don't know, um, you youngsters, here's the emoji. You got to get that little party emoji going if you're drawing that thing. Because here's what the text tells us. The shepherds returned, this is verse 20, and here's our spiritual words for it. The shepherds returned glorifying. This is our word for doxology. And the idea is this is celebration, this is elevation, this is holding one in super high honor. This is rendering something excellent. And they came back saying, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that incredible? This is what they're saying. Isn't God just awesome? It says they were glorifying and they were praising. So they were, these were shouts. These were songs. They, they were just letting it loose. They were celebrating the whole way back to that field. How incredible this was. Everything God did for them. And that was their Christmas response. This is how it was personal for them. They were, they were absolutely letting it rip, celebrating. Let me give you two other responses. Here's the next one, and we actually just read over it in verse 19. Mary's response. Mary's response. And her response was she valued. She valued. Now, different than the shepherds who were celebrating and, and 
partying and singing and shouting and reminiscing of all the electric events that they just went through. Here's Mary. And you know everything that she went through. But here she is after the shepherds show up. And here all on her own in, in that cattle stall, she delivers this baby and here's Joseph with her and in this little scene all together and all of a sudden these shepherds show up. And they tell her everything that just happened. Every event, every detail, every word of the angel, every conversation with Joseph was going through her mind. The prophecy of Elizabeth was in her heart. The story of the shepherds, the expressions of the babies, the, the clothes, and, and even, come on moms, you, you know, even every the little baby smell and the little squawks and peeps. Here's what the Bible mentions about Mary. Verse 19 of Luke 2, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Her word was, was value. And you youngsters, if you're going to draw this on that sheet, this is how I saw it, that emoji with the heart eyes. And the idea of treasured is she preserved these things like an item of great value. She wanted to hang on to them. And come on, moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They just want to hang on to these things forever. So some of you created, you know, baby books with all the pictures in it or e-albums with all the, the photos in a special uh, folder for you. Some of you saved the, the first little socks or the first haircut or you just wanted to hang on to everything, huh, moms? And that's exactly how Mary felt. She wanted to, oh, I wanted to hang on to these things. She treasured them. She valued them like an item of great value. She pondered them. And the word pondered means to, to come together with herself. She just kept mulling these things over. And sadly, she had no scrapbook, no camera, no video, no phone. The only place she could, the only place she could store these priceless memories was right here. And that she did. And the text mentions exactly her response that first Christmas day was value. So for the shepherds, for them, this is what Christmas was. It was just electric and spectacular. For Mary, it was introspective and valuable. There's two other people. Uh, Simeon and Anna. And they're in the text too. They're actually right after this in verse 22. And here's who they were. They were older folks. They were at the temple. And it's interesting. Um, Simeon was quite a bit older Notice verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the customs of the law required, Simeon saw this baby, took him up in his arms. And here's what he said. Verse 29, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And then there was verse 36, a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She was with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. And she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting, praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And here's what Simeon and Anna had as a response. Their Christmas story was a lot different. There was no angel that appeared like shepherds. There were no shepherds that appeared around Mary and all of these other events. For them, it was just a calm, beautiful satisfaction. Their response was fulfilled. They were fulfilled. They were, they were satisfied. And, and I, I always pictured that emoji with the, with the uh, rosy cheeks and, and just the gentle smile that's involved there. They were people that when they saw Jesus, they realize, I'm, I'm complete. This is everything we've been looking for. And even Simeon said, you know what? I, God, you can take me now. You can take me. This is everything that the world needs. And I feel full. They were fulfilled. I was thinking about them and the reason for their contentment and calm assurance they saw God kept his promises. They knew that the solution to mankind's problems was now on the scene. It was Jesus. And everything was going to be okay. So we see people celebrating. We see people valuing. We see people that Christmas means satisfaction and fulfillment. We saw some folks earlier where Christmas means a brand new beginning, even though everything was taken. And I want to give you one more story this morning. Where Christmas means hope. Even though you lose something of great value. Here's a story of Amanda Forrester. I'm Amanda, and this is just a little bit of my story. Christmas. That word alone stirs up so many emotions and memories. Memories of laughter and lights, candles and cookies, the fragrance of just-cut pine, the beauty of the snow covering the dead of earth, pure, glorious white. The excitement of my children, joy on their innocent faces. The setting up of the manger, the perfect placement of baby Jesus, right in the center of it all. The songs of celebration and worship to the newborn king, we adore him. 
and my life is filled up with love and through the years the love just grows and you add son-in-laws and grandbabies to the mix and my heart expands with the love and the little house bulges at the seams I thought it would always be just like this how could we know disaster was hiding in the shadows that six weeks after Christmas February 15, 2012, we would find our son dead on his couch. We would collapse at his side, our beautiful, compassionate, struggling son lost to suicide. We would touch the coldness of death. How can this be? After all, certainly parents die before children and things like this don't happen in loving families, do they? And we entered a world of pain beyond description, a loneliness so dark, a miss ever-present for John is irreplaceable, and a grief so deep only God truly sees it. Sorrow is now joined with the love woven together until my final breath and my heart holds it all. God knows, God cares, God stays. And this is why God sent Jesus, our only way of salvation, our living hope. One day all will be made right. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Revelation 21.4 And Jesus is still right there in the center of it all. This is not the end. Because of Jesus, there is life beyond the grave. And through my tears, I clearly see this is Christmas. Christmas means hope. It is, it is personal, isn't it? And not everyone wakes up tomorrow morning um, celebrating and is excited. For some people, there's a big hole. That's why Jesus came. And he came to fix our hurts and to help us through challenges and to give us hope that, praise God, this world isn't all that there is. There's so much more. I got one more, and then we're finishing up. There's one other guy in the, in the whole Christmas account, and his response was a whole lot different. His name was Herod. He was the king in charge in that day, in that region. And here was his response when the Magi came and we're looking for the baby Jesus. They said, who, you know, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? And King Herod heard this, and here was his response. He was greatly disturbed. Here's how the text mentioned it in two places. In chapter 2, verse 3, it mentions he was disturbed 
He was having inward commotion, restlessness. He was struck with anxiety and distress. He was ticked, is what he was. And later on in the chapter, it mentions he was furious. He was enraged and incensed at this time. And you wonder, why in the world would he be so upset over a baby? Do you think about that? What's the big threat with a baby? Well, he knew the baby wasn't just going to stay an infant and it was going to grow up. And everyone was expecting this one to be the leader, to be the ruler. And you know where King Herod was in this. He was saying, nobody's going to rule over me. Like, I'm the greatest in the land. No one is going to trump me and my position here. I don't want to kneel to anyone. I don't want to follow anyone. I, I want to be the one that makes the rules and that people follow. And so his reaction was he was threatened. And, and um, when, I, when I think about this threatened, I just see this angry face. So you youngsters who are drawing or coloring or whatever you may have, I just see this. This real angry face, it's all red. and he is, he is anxious. He's mad. There's a lot of different reactions to Christmas. Some of them good. I, you know, some of them are all of these things. Some of them, just like we've already seen, some are celebration. Some are value. Some are fulfillment. Some are threatened. Some people are confused, some people are nervous, some people are skeptical, some people are indifferent. And so of all of these different responses to Christmas, here's my big question for you and for me as we finish up this morning of all these responses to Christmas. My question is, um, what's your response? What's your response to Jesus? Is it what we've already seen? How do you respond when you think of Christmas? I want to give you one big response, and we're going to finish with this. This is what I want your response to be when you wake up tomorrow morning, when you think about that baby Jesus coming to earth to ultimately die on the cross, to bear the penalty for our sin. I want our response to be this. I want it to be love. I want it to be love. I want us to think about having a genuine love for God. And here's how the verses read for us in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And here's the big phrase for us to remember. So we love him. We love him because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us and sent <clears throat> and excuse me, sent his son to be the satisfying atonement for our sin. Here's how you can show God you love him. Believe. You need to put your belief in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sin. <clears throat> Don't think you can love Christmas and not love Christ, okay? We need to truly believe why he came. And he came because we have a need, we have a need, and our need is to, to be forgiven, and our need is to have a leader. And so we need to believe that when he came to earth, he came for me, to rescue me from my sin and my faults and from my situation.
Another way to show our love for him is one of gratitude. And if you already believe, and you know in your heart that Jesus is your forgiver and leader, we need to be thankful. And I think one of the best things we can do when we wake up tomorrow morning is grab our crew around us and say, let's be thankful for Jesus and have a little celebration about all he is to you and your family. Believe, be thankful, worship, worship. What's your response to Jesus? What's your response to Christmas? Would you stand with me? We're going to finish with a song in just a second, but can we just pray together? And if you don't know where you are with Jesus, I want to share with you a prayer that you can tell him right now. So would you just close your eyes with me? Think inside. I just don't want you to be distracted. Anyone around you. And just if you don't know where you're at with Jesus, and you want your Christmas to be a little different this year, and you know you need forgiveness, and you know you need a brand new start in life and you need hope, would you pray this to God, even right now in your head and in your heart, would you pray this to him? God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have done things that have offended you and gone against what you have in your word. But I now know why Jesus came to earth and he came to die to pay for my sentence of my wrong. God, forgive me of my wrong. Be the leader of my life. I give myself now to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, for any who prayed that right now, your blessing on them. May we truly worship Jesus this Christmas and all year long. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.
So what does Christmas mean to you, really? What does it really mean to you? It really should mean everything. It should. Take the time to worship him and enjoy him and love him and have a great, great, great Christmas. Here's just a couple things as you leave. Uh, remember, our, we didn't do a regular offering. The gift boxes as we go are our offering boxes and your place to put your tear-off response cards at the bottom so we can know you were here with us. So just put those in the gift boxes as you go. Next week, Mission 2018. We're starting out on a brand new journey and adventure together starting next week and we're gonna be laying out our vision and mission next week and January 7th along with your text message questions that you have about any of this. So I just invite you, come on back. There's no early nine o'clock hour here at the church. It starts at 10.30, grab some coffee, jump in here and let's talk about the next year together. Have a great week. Merry Christmas. God bless you.